Hello, nerds. I want to take a brief moment before we start episode 40. 40! To thank you all for listening to Catching Foxes and for inviting us into your ear holes once a week. As we continue to stumble and trip our way into interesting, powerful, and fun conversations, we hope that this show is actually doing some good in your life. Because each week, Luke and I take a break from our hard work, our leisure, and our families to bring you delightfully explicit Catholic content. Catching Foxes tries to take a unique approach to the collision of faith and culture. The show is meant to be, above all things, honest. Or, as hipster, beer, craft, artisanal, sustainable Luke would call it, authentic. We really have no clue what we're doing, but you keep showing up, and our audience keeps growing. Numbers-wise, right now we're reaching about two and a half to 3,000 people weekly, with over 415 of you liking our Facebook page. We routinely get emails from you, our fans, about how much a particular episode meant to you, how it answered an issue you struggled with, or honestly about how much you were screaming into the air at us for something we got way wrong. Looking at you, JD. That's love, and we're feeling it. So I just want to let you know that we have some big things coming on layevangelist.com. That's the actual website that hosts Catching Foxes. We're looking to introduce a couple new shows soon that feature some of our most popular interviews from Catching Foxes as my co-hosts. There'll be totally different types of shows hitting on a broad range of Catholic issues and content, but they won't be boring. Unlike Luke. <sighs> hate that guy. So unwind, pull up your favorite easy chair, kick back with a glass of red wine, and enjoy episode 40, entitled... Hashtag blessed, which is an interview with Lisa Brenningmeyer, the founder and author of Walking with Purpose, and quite possibly the most intense Christian leader on the planet. Enjoy, nerds. Hey, Luke Michael, it's Lisa. Hey, Lisa, how Hi. are you? Hi, how are you both doing? We're doing really well. Good, can you hear me okay? Hear Absolutely. you like, like a boss. Wonderful. I decided to move away from outside. I was next to this little waterfall noise, and I thought, maybe that's not actually good, as soothing <laughs> as it is to me at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, sure. good. I'm glad you can hear me okay. This is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. I think if you were to have stayed there, all of our listeners would have to keep going to the bathroom. So that's it's right. a good, good or would move. have kind of fallen asleep, would have just been like yeah. lulled into a state of, you know, yeah. a state of <laughs> euphoria. More relaxation than we want. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that happens a lot during our, our yeah. podcast, actually. <laughs> because we have such soothing voices, not because we're boring, that's right? Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. It's because you're speaking of such peaceful things that that's true. hearts just settle. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's essentially Buddhist meditation when you listen to that's our, right. our dulcet tones. Absolutely. With a little Catholic spin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Luke. Not for Luke. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, Lisa, I just want to uh, introduce you to Luke. Luke is my co-host. He's a very handsome fella. He is Wonderful. the... Hey, Luke. <laughs> hello, hello. He is the uh, ass- assistant coordinator. What do you call it, Luke? I'm the... Uh, yeah. Assistant director. Yes, I'm the uh, assistant director for the office of the <laughs> Archdiocese of... Fabulous. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Are you enjoying your work? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very beer. It's very bureaucratic, but you know. Yeah. So. So gross. I know. It's like the necessary other half of it all. You totally can't do evangelization without it, but they're, t- you know, would you say that's your gifting is more admin or do you kind of like to be on the ground, uh, you know, really in the middle of it all? I think I prefer to be in uh, the middle yeah. Of it all, but I like doing the admin work in order to make that happen. Yeah. You can see the value so, of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just have to make sure that I'm that I'm on the road a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got to keep that fire stoked by really keeping, I don't know, if you get too removed, then your heart starts to get a little bit cold, I think, towards, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing. I'm 
such a believer in, um, you know, our holy discontent and you've got to feed it. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. but I really admire what you're doing. I really, really do. We've got a lot of people in our organization and they're actually what I would call like our star people. They're the best at what we do and the best of them serve for a couple of years, not entirely admin, but definitely in more of a hidden position, providing support and mentoring and encouragement. And I tell you, those those people always just have my deepest admiration because there is such a sacrificing you know, element of that when really you'd rather be at the heart of it and see, you know, see the faces lighting up and the changes happening mm-hmm. in people's lives. And I really admire that a lot because it is so critical. Oh, thank so, you. So critical. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, I was actually complaining to my wife earlier because at times I feel like I'm just talking about stuff as opposed to yeah. actually oh, going yeah. out like doing it and you feel like okay. a complete fraud. I totally get it, but it's, it's not, it's just, the thing is we need it in all areas. We need people talking about it to people who actually are so just getting warmed up to the idea. Like to begin with, they don't even know that it has any value and you've got to have people just constantly tilling that ground. And that really can feel like you're banging your head on the wall and like, what's the point But mm-hmm. we, you know, we need all of it down to the person that's, you know, meeting someone for coffee and laying it all out there and seeing that light bulb go on for the first time. But yeah, I just, I, I really... Boy, do I ever get all the parts of it that are not sexy and fun, but are so critical. And, you know, I don't know. I just so believe that when we're willing to serve in those places, then God really can use us in so many different ways. And it really parks our ego, which is painful. (laughs) But, but, you know, it makes the work so much more fruitful, I think. (laughs) Yeah. As unpleasant as that is. (laughs) See, Luke, you see why I wanted her on the show? This is awesome. (laughs) I literally think we could end the show now, and it would be so uh, edifying. Yeah. Although I think we're gonna have so to. Much. Oh, as I wipe, as I wipe tears from my eyes uh, on an audio format. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. So, I we just kind of I, I don't know um, how much has Gomer explained to you. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay. But you know what I really loved is that you said you just wanted to have a conversation, and I just love that because I can totally just hit the ground running talking about whatever off the cuff. I love that. And I so prefer that to if you had majorly prepped me and then I would have to just fight against being super stiff. So that's well, that's great. Majorly prepping involves us majorly prepping. And so that's just not going to happen. So we, well, I just we love like last eat. minute stuff. I'm an <laughs> ENFP and I love last minute. Oh, that's, that's so that funny. fires me up. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So the point of this show is we try to talk about uh, with interesting people, every other podcast. Um, and then in between me and Luke, who are very interesting in and of ourselves, have a yeah. conversation with each other. And so um, and we talk me and Luke talk on a wide range of stuff that we probably have no business talking on, um, such <laughs> but as we are American. So we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> so we're swinging for the fences every time we get up to bat. So uh, so we talked with people like um, one of our recent episodes was with uh, Father Dave Pavanka. Um, I love him. Yeah. You know what? Guess what? You just did He's a thing with He's the new him. chaplain of Walking with Purpose. How jazzed are we? We are like beside oh, ourselves. Oh, that is awesome. Because on our show, yeah. we joked about making him the chaplain of our of our show, but then uh, we knew that what that meant for us, at least, was he would just never show up for anything because <laughs> that's his joke that he would play on us. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah so I heard yeah, that he... he's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what what is your your April call for revival? Oh my gosh, do I get to talk about that? Are we recording right now? By the we way, are we going. Just... Oh yeah, yep. we're going. Okay. Oh great, that is one of my absolute favorite things to talk about because um, so what I do with Walking with Purpose, it's a Catholic women's Bible study ministry and. We do a lot with um, really equipping and training leaders so that they can step into their parishes and their communities and really 
reach out, engage culture, and draw people closer to Christ. Very relationship-based, but totally rooted in scripture. So, so much of the past eight years of my life has all been about building this up, writing, you know, writing the curriculum, training leaders, um, rolling this whole thing out, because really it started, it's all been totally grassroots. And um, so obviously there's been kind of an internal focus on our, our particular ministry. But this year, as I've just been praying, I've had such a strong sense that one, the major amount of my focus needed to be on prayer, not on what I was doing. Okay. Because what I, I can get really, really busy all the time, but ultimately we know that the stuff that really matters is the stuff that counts for eternity. And that's the stuff that God does. And we're like along for the ride Mm -hmm. and we can do a heck of a lot of stuff in our own strength that I don't know ultimately how fruitful that is in his eyes. And so it, was this whole thing where I was sensing, okay, one, you've really got to be on your knees as much as you're in front of your computer, like really make a shift there. And then as I was really getting serious about praying for us organizationally, and I've got a really, really big burden on my heart for the church today. And I just see the Catholic church is having so much to offer, like the answers, the hope, the the joy, the comfort, the peace, the the clarity that we long for. It's like all there. And yet, people by the droves are walking away and they don't even know what they're walking away from. And so I just have it really on my heart to just pray for a real movement of the Holy Spirit within the Catholic Church and for a real revival to come and for it to start from within, you know, starting with the people sitting in the pews who are there just out of habit or because they're checking the boxes or whatever, and then, you know, moving outwards. So this has really just so been on my heart that when we come together and we pray, it not just be for walking with purpose and not just be that we're focusing on this is what we're doing and God, please bless it. But rather, please, can we have a movement of the Holy Spirit in the church itself and really praying more broadly? And, yeah. you know, and that encompasses other ministries. But here's the big, the big turning point for me. There's a verse in Second Chronicles, I think it's chapter seven, verse 14. But you know what? I could so be wrong because I'm talking off the top of my head with this. But this is what it says. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their sin. I will hear their prayer and I will heal their land. Okay. So this verse, I'm not joking. Like it totally stopped me in my tracks. This is a big revival verse in the old Testament. And I thought, okay, this is key because what is God starting with when he's talking to his people about revival? Is he talking about, okay, if all those people out there that are totally missing the mark, All these people, you know, that are going to hell in a handbasket, is it everybody that's supporting gay marriage? Is he talking to them going, get your act together? No. No, the verse starts out by saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So it's like, hey, we're starting like with some family talk, with what we've got going on and with what we need to confess and get straight before God. And so I thought, okay, that's got to be our starting point. It's got to be this posture on our knees really of repentance just for ourselves personally and for, you know, the church at large. I believe we can confess just kind of on behalf of our church and our nation and that that's effective. And then I got to that middle bit of the verse where it says, and then if they will turn from their wicked ways. And I'm not kidding when I say that I looked in so many versions of the Bible for a verse that did not use the word wicked. So I'm like, that's a little harsh, you know. (laughs) Can we find a version that says, if my people who are called by my name will, you know, humble themselves, seek my face, and you know, just keep on trying to hit that mark. Like, you know, something more, whatever, appealing. But, you know, I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I stopped because everything was pretty, like, straight between the eyes. And I thought, but here's the problem. Because I look at my sin 
and I want to justify it. And then I look at the sin of others and I'm like, oh yeah, well that's wicked. Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So this was the whole starting point of this, of really going, okay, can we have a real paradigm shift of the way in which we're looking at the problems of our culture and of the church? Because the problem's not out there and the problem is not with the clergy or the sex scandal. The problem begins in our own hearts. And, and that's when we begin with that posture, I really think God can start to move and work. And what people see then is authenticity, right? Yeah. It's vulnerability. And don't you think that's what people want and are after? So right along with what you're saying, uh, this is kind of creepy, getting a little uh, chills here, but uh, this this very notion of like revival and all this has kind of been on my heart, but you know, I'm just a, a I, I'm the coordinator of evangelization at my parish and it's a big parish, but so I, I asked my pastor if I could help write a sermon series for our church. And he's like, oh, yeah, in April or in September, that'd be great. And I was like, well, what if we did it in April, like in a couple of weeks? And he said, well, uh, okay. What well, well, he's he, he's for it. Uh, it's just getting all of the clergy on board. So I, I wrote um, the, the topic is called uh, Public Faith. And I used uh, Redeemer Presbyterian uh, Church, which I love a lot. Uh, uh, Tim... Uh, Reverend Heller. Timothy, yeah, he has this wonderful um, mm-hmm. thing called public faith. And so I used a lot of his ideas of this notion of we need to be public with our faith. Uh, we can't have a private faith because a private faith is soon a dead faith, not just irrelevant, mm-hmm. but it's dead within us. And so yeah. um, so long story short, the big point is there's four homilies that that I wrote that talk about faith as crucial, which means it changes my life, my heart. Um, and then it's vital, which means it changes all those relationships that are important in my life. Uh, mm. It's outward, meaning it's meant to be a call of justice and peace and generosity in the city. And then it's the last one on the on Pentecost is uh, it's a it's a manifest faith, meaning it uses the gifts as manifestations of the spirit. And uh, so the cool thing was I was looking at some Father Dave Pavanka stuff and I get his emails uh, and uh, he, he talked about the vigil project. And the Vigil Project, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% like, up on it, but I know they're doing a bunch of stuff where they're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on yeah. the Vigil of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And so I went up to my deacon, who's super charismatic, and I was like, hey, what if we just called a bunch of people? And on mm-hmm. the Vigil of Pentecost, after the Saturday Night Mass, we just got every intercessor, every person that's ever been through faith in the fire, every person. And all we did was just beg God for an outpouring of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is on Pentecost Sunday um, to say, like, this is when the church went public, when the yeah. fire fell down on the apostles. So we need to call out, um, you know, call out to God in prayer and just beg him for this. So we're, I, I don't know if their clergy is going to do it. <laughs> I don't know how involved they are, but I, me and the youth minister, Jonathan Cardinal, we are like all in and we're creating like resources and websites and we're trying to answer people's like questions and doubts about faith so that we can clear the way for a Pentecost like moment. And it, it's just like what yeah. you're saying. It starts with the individual converting and it radiates outward to their relationships rather than hiding it from those relationships. And so that's, that's the so momentum great. that I want. Yeah. I love that. I think that is so fabulous. And I just think that whole collaborative effort, you know, we all can sit in our own, you know, houses and, and pray. And, but there is something so exciting when you know that you're not alone and that other people are just as passionate about this as you are. And you know something, can I share with you kind of a cool way that we did that on the call? Because it really worked. And I don't know, you might want to use this idea or something, because I was sitting there thinking, okay, we can all get on this call, 
And then I can just pray for 45 minutes. And how boring is that where people just, you know, listen to me. And I thought, okay, so what do we have in the Catholic church that's so rich and beautiful that we can pray together? That'd be the rosary. And so I wrote rosary meditations that, um, you know, went with the, the rosary of that day, but, but really skewed the intentions towards revival. And so before each Hail Mary, we had something specific that we were either confessing or asking the Holy Spirit to do, or it might be, there was a whole section where we were praying really for a breaking of bondage in a lot of different areas. And, um, but anyway, breaking the rosary down and inserting a lot of specific intercessions, um, was something where I could share the intercession, and that was then what pointed us to revival. But everybody could pray the Hail Marys, Our Fathers, the Glory Be. So everybody felt like they were participating, mm-hmm. and people really loved it. They've, there's been a lot of good feedback. So I don't know. Maybe that sounds kind of weird, but it really did work on the call really well. Yeah, no, that's that sounds really cool. awesome. So I, did, oh, sorry, look, you go. Well, no, I uh, could you explain a little, a little bit about what the call is? Sure. So basically. Um, it's it's what I'm saying. It's this call for revival where every couple months I, you know, I posted on our website and, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and all that jazz that we're going to be, we're doing this. So it's a call out to all our women. We have within our organization about 500 intercessors who are really committed to praying. But this is something where we threw that invite way wider um, to all of our women and then beyond. So we've had parishes that called in. We had, you know, groups of women that put the phone on speaker and they were gathered around the phone. We've had people calling from Geneva. Someone from Africa was trying to call in. I don't think they actually were able to, but they tried. Um, And so basically it's this gathering of people to all come together for that same purpose of not just praying in general, but praying specifically for revival in the Catholic church and for an outpouring of the Holy spirit. Um, And so, and that's what we did. They called in, you know, I welcomed them all. I did it with father Dave Pavanka where he did, you know, he led the prayers. I did the intercessions and then, um, someone on our staff was doing the responses and, um, yeah, so that was kind of it. And we'll, we do it every couple of months and, um, it's been, it's been good. You know, time will tell, right. What the Holy spirit does with it, but everybody involved has really been excited. That's fantastic. And you know what the deal is like, we won't see, you know, we're not necessarily going to see the walls shake, right. Or, you know, things like that happen. Although, Hey, yeah. I'm not going to put it past <laughs> yeah. Holy Spirit. He can do whatever he wants. But the real work of the Spirit is so often so quiet. You know, it's not something we can measure. We don't even know the result. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, but that's to me the exciting part of this kind of prayer because ego's removed. It's not like we're saying, God, make this event successful for us so we don't look like complete morons when we step out or, you know, help yeah. me to hit this deadline. Or it, it's really, it's a, it's just a more general prayer out there that the Holy Spirit will know where that movement is needed. Yeah. So how did you, um, how did you start walking with purpose? What is the, the fundamental purpose? I, I love walking, like people asking like, what's walking with purpose? Cause I'm trying to get it started at my church. And, and I'm like, well, it's like that man is you, but a thousand times better. Right. Cause we've had a, that man is you thing going <laughs> yeah. on. And I, I'm, um, met you. I don't know if you remember, but <laughs> of I remember we had an awesome conversation. It was kind of a highlight of my weekend there. Yeah. It that really was, was. Good yeah. Talk. So, uh, yeah. So you spoke at the first ever amazing parish conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just, uh, I, I was blown away. I thought you were the best speaker, hands down. Um, and uh, thank you. Um, and, and I thought I, it was amazing and, and I loved it. And so afterwards we got to chit chat. And I, and I remember you talking about how 
much you put an emphasis on leadership training with the women who attend Walking with Purpose and mm-hmm. um, at the parish level. And I started thinking about um, That Man Is You, because I love That Man Is You. It was started here in Houston. Um, our church has been doing it. Uh, you know, our, our, the men in our church are in the videos from like day one and all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a lot of these um, parish programs that start, you know, start big, start strong at the beginning of every year. And then kind of fizzle, you know, you, you lose about half the group by the end. Um, but they're good guys. You know, they're all really committed, rock-solid people. But uh, your group tends to kind of, like, flip that on its head. You start yeah, smaller the and then opposite. you end bigger. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I don't know, just, like, introduce us to your uh, walking sure. with purpose and all that. Yeah, definitely. No problem. Yeah, the reason why that happens is because what's going on is women are not just coming together for a Bible study program. It's not, you know, just formation where they're coming because they want to learn more about their faith, although that is certainly happening. What is going on is women are coming together and are connecting in a really meaningful, authentic way. And relationships are starting to develop, which then people open up, they really drop the masks at the door. And this is why their leadership training is so critical, because we want the right women at the helm. And then we want everybody involved to be trained to really know, how do I create a setting, whether it's in my parish or at the coffee shop or at my school or in my neighborhood or or at work or wherever, where people who come are instantly set at ease and know that um, they can come here with their doubts, they can come with their struggles, they can come with their questions, um, with their hopes, with their dreams, like whatever. You just come and you are real and, and you start to wrestle through, you know, key questions of our faith. And As I'm writing, um, I really love scripture. I love the Bible, always have. And so there's a lot of stuff I can find in scripture study that I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so fascinating. But if I can't answer the question, so what? So what? How does that apply to my day-to-day life? It does not make it into Walking with Purpose material because I believe that our faith is something that has got to be translated into just daily transformation. And so that's that's what we're after. That's what all the questions and all the discussion is meant to kind of flesh out. And so when you start getting into the meaty questions of what works in life and what does not work in life, and when you start coming together in a regular way with women, you're learning really to trust. And then just life happens, right? Stuff train wrecks your heart or whatever, and you come, and then you realize these women totally have my back. Like, they are actually not gossiping about me. They are not, we're not comparing ourselves to others, which is such a trap that women fall into. This is a place where not only can I be real, but... They're, they're here to catch me, like, when life starts to get a little out of control. And, um, and I think that's what causes women to keep coming. I've had more women talk to me over and over and over again saying that it's a lifeline. Women who, you know, at the beginning people will say, there is no way we're going to get women in our parish to commit to a 22-week course. And I'm like, well, then don't call it that. Just get them to come to the first one. Let them taste it. And trust me, they'll want to come back for more because they won't have tasted anything like this. And nine times out of 10, they're saying, what? We're breaking for the summer? Like, what? What What am I going to do? These are my people. And what am I going to do when I can't see them? And so that leadership training is really important because I think some women just instinctively know how to love another woman to Christ. And then others need to be trained a little bit. And their heart is there. Their heart is really wanting to do that. But I think a lot of us don't know how we come across, right? I mean, can't you just Mm -hmm. see all the well-intentioned, awesome Catholics who are out there, and sometimes stuff comes out of their mouth, and you're like, oh, don't say that. (laughs) Like that. You just lost We went to Steubenville, so we totally understand that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, anyway, but, and, you know, 
I really think a lot of that, because women, you know, so many of us are so open, we want to get that right. We, we see how many people are leaving. We want to draw them back because we know all that, you know, that they're walking away from. And with that openness and with our training, people can really, um, people can really change in the way that they communicate about their faith to one another. And um, so the leadership development is, you know, there are a couple components to it. One is an online training program that we've done where you can be trained at your own pace from anywhere in the world. And that's not just the nuts and bolts of how to lead a small group, although that is a part of it, but a heck of a lot of it is about how do I engage culture? How do I create this safe environment? Then we provide women with a boatload of really attractive tools because I think beauty breaks down barriers. Um, a lot of people, we put a lot of emphasis on creating a beautiful environment and people will say, why? You know, it's so superficial. I don't believe it is. I think beauty speaks to the heart. And when we take the time to create a beautiful environment, especially in a kind of ugly church basement, you know, women <laughs> yeah, no really kidding. feel like, oh my gosh, you cared enough about me to do this. And we give you tools in terms of how to do that. You know, we just have a lot of stuff online, printouts, whatnot, that are just pretty. They're just attractive. Um, so the tools are another component. But the third part, which I think is maybe the most important, is the mentoring that we offer. Because how many of us in leadership feel so dang alone? Yep. So alone. And really, the more our heart beats for it all, I think the more alone we feel. Because even sometimes with other leaders, we're like, I'm like, I'm like a zealot. Like, I'm like a, what is it with me? And to have someone... <laughs> who really understands, I get that your heart beats, not just that you experience these things spiritually, that, but that all the women in your parish do. Yeah. And, you know, that mentoring and listening and encouraging, we desperately need it. And so we provide that. We think that's critical. That's fantastic. I, 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 I think right now there's a lot of, this is um, pretty cool to hear. So I can't really talk about who I work for Um on the podcast, even though everyone knows, uh, <laughs> it's blatantly obvious. Anywho, um, I'm starting uh, to see a lot of things that involve what, what really is mentoring. You can mm -hmm. call it a one-on-one. -on -one, you can call it like personal a, a discipleship. Mm -hmm. Those things are all true, but it's pretty much mentoring. Yeah. And when you really stop and think about it, it's exactly what Christ, what like Christ, uh, what he did. He had the large group stuff he also had small group stuff and he spoke to people individually yeah. and i think for the past 20 years or so i mean we've been really kind of um it's been all event-based where we are presenting you information which which is good obviously there's a time and there is a place for all that but what we don't have is people doing anything where it where it is where it is like one on one, especially where you're trained in how to do that because it's yeah. it's extremely messy, and mm -hmm. you can't just go. It's it would just kind of be like if like you know I decided I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be like a financial advisor. I read the Wall Street Journal. Let me handle yeah. all of your money. Like yeah, you're gonna be like so um. I don't think so. You were an idiot with all of your cash when you were 25. So right. let's go with no. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the crucial component. Like so many people, they build great programs, mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, I, I get emails all the time, you know, get, get our new Bible study series, get our new, you know, book and uh -huh. companion and all this stuff. But the problem <laughs> is the problem isn't the material. And the problem yeah. almost isn't like, I mean, the problem is the implementation of the material. And, and in a way, it almost is like the material in a certain way can kind of fade to the background. If you have people who are trained and ready to rock and roll and they know mm -hmm. how to deal with stuff, then they can take 
just the Bible, not a preformatted Bible study, yeah. and, and they, can, they mm-hmm. can open it up. But the problem is so many people rely on the silver bullets. They want a mm-hmm. silver bullet. They think, oh, if only I had the Catholicism series, yep. if only I had Symbol on, if only I had the Bible timeline, if only I had, yeah. you know. And could, you're catching foxes all the time. Yeah, if only. That would be everyone's greatest prayer. We're almost uh, there, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and the big shift, um, one of the funny things about trying to start Walking with purpose at my at my parish. We have a great moms group. It's not a women's group. It's a moms group. Totally remember that you guys are rocking it big time. I've been waiting for your phone call. I'm not kidding. I'm waiting to see it in your parish. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> like, whatever. Like right you know now. Doing, here, but here's the thing: you're doing such great work there. You're good. You're gold. Like we would just love to be a part of what you're doing, honestly, because I know I just and I think your leadership is great. I remember that from talking to you about it. But either, um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like saying, "Hey, what's wrong with you?" At all. That's no, fair. no. But what I I love this. I love it because it's for women. It's so often the church only focuses on on wives and mothers, right? The 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 yeah. the married dynamic. And for young adults, that's less of a reality. So we're missing a demographic. Um, we're also oh not God. letting the older generation mentor the younger generation at all. And then when I see this stuff, I see this wonderful um, – so, so I was talking with this lady who runs, uh, runs our, our mom's group, and she's, she's phenomenal. She's actually a listener. Hey. And uh, we talk about, you know, like, hey, starting – because right now um, a bunch of women are studying the book as kind of like maybe a precursor to get the thing going. And I said, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts? And she's like, it just looks like it takes a lot of effort to get it up and running. And, I, and it, to me, that's the selling point. That's when you know it's gold is because it's not just plug and play. There's enough plug and play that's out there. There's too much. There's, yeah. there's too. And, and, in fact, the problem is it's plug and play, which leads to passivity. And uh, We're just oof. doing the same way it's always, always been done. And that's our thing. It's like when we started, when we started, I think there was um, – a lot of talk about evangelization, right? The need for yeah. the new evangelization, right? In the pews. Okay. So we, I think a lot of people turn to the church hierarchy to say, okay, so what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. we. Agree what should the church be doing? And by right. church, I mean bishops. <laughs> right. And I turned <laughs> yeah. in the opposite direction. I turned in the opposite direction and I turned to the women who had left or who had one foot out the door. And I said to them, what are you struggling with? What are your questions? What is not getting answered here? What's missing? And I built this whole thing for that woman. And so you know what? There are women who are going to come and say, you know, you're not talking enough about this or you're not talking about that. Why aren't you leading with NFP or, you know, whatever? You know, I've, I, I've heard everything. And I'm like, yeah. because I'm writing this for the women who are leaving, who are searching for something more, and they're going out the door. And we've got the riches of, of truth here. And why, you know, let's, let's draw them back. Let's draw them back in. And can I tell, say something that's maybe a little scandalous? Oh, you're on the right place. <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, what do I feel like? Um, because you're not in my town. Like, I don't know. The, the, here's, here's something that kind of bothers me. It bothers me when um, so much of what we're saying to our young adults has everything to do with their sexual purity. Now, hear me out. I am not saying I don't think it matters. I do. I'm all about chastity, and I think that's the way to go. And I think it's important. I don't think it's the whole picture. And I think sometimes what we do is we reduce women to the sexual issues. So when it's mm-hmm. when you're younger, we're going to talk about chastity and purity. Now, when you get older, we're going to talk about having children and being a mother and, and being a wife. And, and I'm like, okay, but there's a whole other aspect to who a woman is. And, and I really think the starting point is not so much our sexuality as it is our identity in Christ. First and foremost, I'm a daughter of God. Can we start there? Can we start there? Because I don't even know who I am. Right. 
And that's what gets us into so much trouble. We don't know who we are, let alone our story within the Catholic Church. We don't know who we are. We need someone to say, hey, this is who you are in God's eyes. And, And then we go on from there. And I look at so many of the other things that are predominantly taught about. And I'm like, we're going to get there. The Holy Spirit's going to take us there and clean up our act in all of those areas. But if we skip over this whole aspect of who we are as women, we're really missing a huge chunk. And I think that that huge chunk that we're not talking about is what women are heading out to hear about from, you know, popular speakers like Brene Brown, like whoever, like they're, they're wanting to hear, Hey, somebody help me with the mess inside that doesn't feel right. Cause I have a feeling it's about more than my kids or more than my sexual. I think there's something else going on here that I need someone to help me with. Yeah. So that's please a, hear me. You know, I'm not saying yeah. chastity doesn't matter. Are you hearing me on that? Oh yeah. But yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that doesn't make sense to you. Maybe that's just no, my perception. That's like but... what we're screaming from the hilltops is the thing that we constantly keep doing is we jazz up the same old message yeah. and we're missing massive, massive parts. I mean, like, I mean, our culture has essentially reduced women to the beautiful decorations that men get to look at. But, uh, you know, like, oh, you know what? I, I remember one time in high school, we did this women's um, session and uh, I asked, like, what is your number one, like, gripe or, you know, complaint or whatever? And this woman said, just because I don't put on makeup don't, doesn't mean I'm tired or you get permission to ask me if I'm sick or something, you know. And it's like right. this notion that, like, that's a whole world that men don't ever even have to think about, you know. Um, yeah. And, and this, this, this thing that kind of gets stuck. And I need your help in this. Here's, here's, let's keep it controversial. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, so one of my big struggles is men's sessions. Right. So I get asked to do um, men's sessions all the time. And it I don't know what to say always because, well, number one, I'm uh, I'm a mess. But number two, this whole notion of like, like, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, most of the men's sessions were kind of like chauvinistic. You know, it's like, thank God we're not women. Am I right, fellas? Hey, oh. And all but all the stuff that they were like really identifying about what it means to be right. You're called to be a leader and you're called to be an achiever. And I'm like, are women not allowed to do that? You know, and it it got it was really frustrating. You know, there were elements of it that just bothered me. And uh, and you're looking at what, what do we say to women? And we say you're you know, they go to the identity thing. You're a daughter of the king and things like that. But it's it's kept kind of at a, a princess level. Or, mm. or then it goes into this notion of, um, this notion of, w- of what you were saying. It, it remains at the level of chastity. It, it's tied to the reproductive system, right? Yeah. Chastity, mm-hmm. childbearing, all that well, stuff. Especially with high school kids, because I think they just assume they're all horn dogs. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. so much more to them than that. Yeah, you can talk about way the heck more. They are, they're so ready. I don't know. I I have high school kids. I just I think they are yeah. so capable of wrestling with really big stuff. Yeah, the number one complaint that kids get whenever they go to a men's session, uh, I'll, I'll hear them all the time. The guys will come up to me and they'll be like, thank God you didn't just talk about pornography. You know, because that's all. Just, I was just waiting for you yeah. to say something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so my, my running joke with men's sessions is uh, whenever I give a men's talk, I always say this. I said there's three types of men's sessions that I've experienced in my life. One is the ooh, rah, oh, yeah, let's go chop down a tree. Thank God we're not women talk. <laughs> the second one is the uh, that came in like the mid-2000s was the sensitive guy, it's okay to hug a brother talk. 
And then that the was third, Levine. Yeah, yeah, that was Luke, that was Luke's era. Blue like jazz. <laughs> and and then the uh, <laughs> and then the the last talk is uh, for the love of God, would you just stop looking at porn? And those are the three <laughs> men sessions. So I do a combo I of so all wish three. My husband was listening to this. He's on an airplane right now. He would be dying. He'd be so agreeing with you. <laughs> well, I'm sure he will hear it because he's a huge fan of catching. I don't know, of course, uh, the uh, men's <laughs> who, who isn't? Who isn't? Things on my every word. What can I say? He's be like, oh, I missed this. Yeah, <laughs> I think, but the leadership. I think is such a key, a yeah. key um, component when we talk to women. Uh, we often uh, so here's another issue. Okay, How, talking about modesty is such a difficult thing because you know, like with this, a lot of critiques. It's like it's still about people caring about women's bodies, right? Like it's still right. it's still focused on that. And, and you know, we men wear pants, wear you know, or whatever. And it's like women. Here's 500 things that you have to do in order to be modest. You know, don't you care where you have the pants, girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know how to deal with that anymore. You know. Here's how I deal with it. I don't deal with it by saying don't talk about that so much. I deal with it by talking about the other. You know, I just think, I know that there's enough talk about modesty, chastity the value of having children. I have seven kids. So I like, it's not like I am saying none of that matters at all, but I just want to make sure someone is, you know, that we're speaking about the other, that, that, you know, those gaps are, are filled in. And then we're also going to talk about, you know, the things that, that do impact women that do have to do with, you know, having children and marriage and, you know, high school stuff, you know, of course as well, but to make sure that those other issues aren't just brushed aside or ignored. Um, because really, I think, you know, I was just today writing a blog post um, and starting off with that quote by St. Arrhenius, the glory of God is man fully alive, which I think, I think that's the starting point, really, that God has allowed his glory to be linked to us coming fully alive. And that's like true happiness. And, and that's such a different picture of God than so many of us have. I think so many of us think, no, 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 he's really holding out on us. And this is the way I'm supposed to behave because I know I should. And that's, you know, that's what church teaching says or that's whatever. But really the good life, which I better not dally in, you know, is, is over here. And just this whole idea that, no, he is totally so for you. And the more you dive in and become fully who he created you to be. So that has everything to do with your calling, your giftings, you know, discovering what really gets you up off the couch saying something has got to be done about Mm -hmm. that. You know, that, that fire in your belly, that holy discontent, you know, when we start to recognize what calling God's placed in us, we really do become fully alive. I believe that so much. I see it all the time. And I think that's such an exciting starting point. Um, whether you're a teenager or, you know, a 30-year-old woman or a 40-year-old woman or an 80-year-old woman, there is, there is always a call that God has for you in that moment, and it's connected to your giftings that he's given you. And when all that comes together, there is, it's, it's truly a rush. It is a rush unlike anything where you are used by God, and you just sit there going, whoa, this is not me. Like, this is, some of this is me. I'm, I'm here adding my little bit in. But he's coming behind me in the form of the Holy Spirit and like, whoa, this whole thing is going. And that rush, I think, is manfully alive. I really, I really do. And um, when we talk about that and women start to thank men, whomever starts to think, hey, I want that. Yeah. Then they'll come back. They'll come back to hear more about how can I get that? How can I live that way? What uh, we, We've talked about this with Father Dave Pavanka and a couple other people. Um, are you running into women who struggle with 
uh, in their Catholic faith with the notion of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That that sounds like foreign to them, or do you just kind of let the lion out of the cage and that they just know that that's what they want? Um, because we're I, I come in, yeah. you know, by doing events and, and big time ministry um, conferences and stuff like that, you encounter this from you know different types and groups uh, within the Catholic Church where they come up to you and be like. I think that's too Protestant. You're just, you know, yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like, the only way we have a relationship with Christ is through the sacraments. And it's like, meh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we just had a Bible study session this morning. We were kind of getting into all that. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. And and whenever I have a sense that, you know, the vocabulary that I've chosen to use in that moment is definitely, you know, not hitting the mark, I just try to, you know, off-road it a little bit. Pick words that are not... Um, they're not, it's not Christianese. It's not Christian mm-hmm. soundbites. And yeah. honestly, I think a personal relationship with, with Christ can be that for a yeah. lot of people. And I remember early, early days when I was first married and I was just starting to do some speaking. And I made the mistake in my mind of giving my talk to my husband and asking him to critique me. I did that once and then I like didn't let him hear me speak for like 15 years. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but, but what he said to me beyond, why are you doing that funky thing where you keep turning your head to the side kind of when you're talking? Don't do that. That's weird. <laughs> but was really saying you keep using these phrases and you know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's like this whole other vocabulary that I've got to be on the in crowd to know what that was. He said, if you can't tell me whatever that is in just normal words, then don't say it because then you don't know enough about it to just be able to break it down and talk about it. And that, for me, was really a pivotal moment of um, thinking, okay, that's always my challenge. And I love it when people challenge me and say, I don't get what that means. And it's this super you know, familiar phrase to me that I'm like, really? Because then that's the challenge to go, okay, well, how much do you really believe that? And can you break that down and just speak about it from your heart? And, um, and when we do that, I think most people settle a little bit. And one thing people can never argue with is your own personal experience. Um, but if you describe your personal experience in such a way that it sounds scripted, it sounds like, well, you might've gotten that from a book, you know, mm-hmm. um, then people are going to tune out. But when you're just so speaking from your heart about who Christ has been to you, like how he's reached into your, you know, your dark places, your hard places, your mess, whatever it is, and what a difference he has made. And when you go and Hey, there is no way I can account for my life and the way it's turned out if there isn't a God who cared personally about me and was encountering me in a really one-on-one way that, you know, I don't, you know, when you, when you speak, I think in that way, people get a little bit more curious and less, less defensive. Isn't it interesting how I think the more we grow in our, our faith the more we find out who we are and Mm. the more like you enjoy being you, which, which I think also comes with age, but that's really like what you're saying, because I think like, so in this really odd way, it, um, it actually reminded me of this one experience that I had at a conference two weeks ago. That was really, really great, but they had, but they had a guy who spoke from a Catholic organization that, how do I put this, was kind of in the same ball uh, ballpark as like things coming out of, you know, a life team or, or a net, you know, kind of like that mm-hmm. whole stuff. And, and, you know, he was not a part of this. He, he, he was, um, he was not from any of those things, but w- when he started to talk, 
I just thought, you sound like just like everyone else. I've heard you speak a million times because Ooh. everyone's like, it's like yeah. they actually like talk the same way. They have the same cadence yeah. in their voice. Use, oh, totally use, use a lot of the same terms. And I was like, this is like inbreeding yeah. <laughs> like in a, in, in a weird way and 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 just because i, I yeah. think and it would like it really uh, it really uh, made me sad because i just thought you know you think you're doing all of the right things because you have great content i could tell that your heart's in it but you're trying to present it in a way that clearly isn't you you're a copy of a copy of a copy mm. at, at least that speech was and i, I, I just felt bad for for this guy because you know he was using all of these like words that i was like what does that even mean like what yeah. does that mean like what does that we're mean? just gonna be Probably, really yeah. missional we're just gonna yeah, be missional like, as we're blessed like he just oh kept please saying, the word blessed i can't take it i mean he I said the it. word bold hashtag, hashtag blessed and i just Seriously. said to go, oh, i can't take it <laughs> i mean this guy said the word bold like 30 times and i was like what do you mean by being bold <laughs> what does that mean because right. like I can be bold and I'm going to be hit by my wife because I'm going right. to embarrass her horribly. Like aggressive and honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, do I have to go like Mark Driscoll? Is that what bold right. is? Cause I think that's disgusting. You right. know? So, yeah, like... I'm with you. yeah. You know what I think is um, there's nothing more powerful than a story. And when you think about what you remember when you walk away from, you know, from a talk, whether it's with a person or whether it's, you know, at a conference, we remember the stories and that's so personal. And, um, and when we can just do that well, I think people are really impacted. And whenever I've got writer's block, which, you know, certainly happens a lot, and I'm, and I'm like trying to be kind of original about something, I remember a C.S. Lewis quote that says, um, and I'm totally butchering it, but it's something like, whenever a person determines that they're going to say or write something really original, they rarely do. Just tell the truth. If you just tell the truth about something, you're going to end up saying something original without even having meant to. And I go back to that all the time and I think, okay, all God really is asking me to do is to tell the truth about what he's done and what he's doing or what I, you know, you know do you see what I'm saying? And that mm-hmm. simplifies it so much. And we're like, okay, hey, I can do that. And that's, that's one of the cool things that we're seeing um, at Walking With Purpose, not that this is like some commercial, but, you know, I have to say, this is a call out to our women more than it is like, yay, we're so awesome. Because what is going on there is this has been a totally grassroots thing. We've done no proactive marketing, but we have 10,000 women right now who are, you know, studying the Bible together. And that's just, we just started like eight years ago. And it's just sisters calling another sister, a friend calling a friend saying, hey, this is making a difference in my life. I think you should check this out. And um, what is happening is women are evangelizing who like two seconds ago would not even know what we were talking about. They don't even know what that word means still to this day. They don't use that word, but they're actually doing it because all they're doing is they're telling the truth about what God is doing right now in their life. And they're saying it in a messy kind of choppy way. But at the end, all they're really saying is, hey, come check this out. Like, I can't really explain it to you. Um, it's not a walking group. I can tell you that we don't do exercise, but all I can (laughs) say is that it's making a difference. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate things, you know, and, and really that's what people want to hear. They want to see our mess, hear our honesty, know our story. We want to be known and we want to know people, don't we? I mean, we don't want to know the fake. We want to know the real. Mm So I don't know, maybe that's oversimplifying it, but that, that's what I see working and, and making a huge difference and really taking off like, like fire, really just like, well, I I would also probably, um, this is 
an assumption, so I'm sorry, but uh, that um, like w- w- one of the things too is that like you have this like leadership aspect where they are trained on how to be a leader mm-hmm. because I think you you have a lot of um, a, a, you have a lot of speakers that you know I have that um, I've heard where where I just thought you need to take a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I need to take one. Like you know, like I mean, it's and it's, we and all it's said, yeah. like it's like just kind of that whole aspect of um, like you have to be real, you have to be honest, and don't be scared to be like be profoundly who you are, and so and true. it's okay if that is broken. But at the same time, understand that just because you have just because you have like a passion for, for this stuff, um, like okay, so for. Example, I, you know, will have people come up to be, uh, come up to me who go, I would like really want to do a podcast. Tell me how to do it. And my response is, well, listen to about eight podcasts a, um, a, like, um, a week for about five years, which is well, like I did. Right. And then understand that I won't be good till about a hundred episodes in. Because he just like it's not it's like things just like that's not how the Holy Spirit works. He he just mm. won't like he'll give these like supernatural gifts, but he like I, I don't think that we'll get like I can't like God won't turn me into a lawyer. I need to be trained on how on like how on yeah. how to go about doing that. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Okay. And I think it's a combination of all those things working together. It's you know, I think that when, when we're given a, you know, a certain gift, a certain bent, you know, where, you know, I think I've got a, I think I've got kind of a thing for leadership, or I think I've got kind of some abilities for admin, or I really like, I could don't hide, sorry, I bumped out there for a minute, who don't know Christ, whatever we, you know, that's a gift of evangelization, whatever it is. I think then we have a responsibility to learn all we can about it, right? Stay humble, realizing it's God doing the work through us, but but be a student of whatever your your gifting is. I think that's really something that we we kind of skip sometimes. Yeah. We realize, okay, I think God's made me kind of good at this. And so now I'm just going to do the best I can when he's saying, no, I have. And so keep learning all the time. Stay humble. Keep observing other people. Keep, you know, pulling in whatever whatever you can. And, um, and then, it, yeah, it's just time and experience. But it's also knowing that some of our biggest disasters – or where he's going to be the most glorified, yeah, and that um, that our our honesty in the midst of all of that is is so disarming. Mm-hmm. It's it's so disarming, don't you think, to the millennials? Um, I think there's so much that they've seen, you know, in this generation where you know we're all very capable of putting best foot forward, right? We're all, we can all do that. We can all shine up a version of ourselves and get that out there. You know, develop a platform. Anybody can do that. You know, with a little bit of effort. But someone who is just real and honest about the mess and the struggle. Now they're now I'm now I'm a little disarmed and now I'm actually gonna listen because yeah. what I'm encountering is a little bit unusual, you know? And so I think we need to not be afraid of of our weaknesses in the midst of it all. Yeah. Uh there's a great line uh, uh a friend of mine said to his brother, um, you'll you'll go far in life if you realize the simple truth that hurting people hurt others. And, uh, you know, so like give people a little, give people a little elbow room and just realize that they're hurting and that's why they hurt others. And then, uh, after a while he came back and he goes, and then the other lesson is, but healed people can heal others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the whole thing is you, you have to be humble enough to not hide your wounds and your scars. And I remember one day I did a presentation at our church and I talked about my past struggles with uh, pornography as an example of 
habitual sin that people can become so used to that they recognize their uh, or they they are almost like at home in their chains, whether it's yeah. anger or gossip or whatever. And this guy Absolutely. came up to me and he said, uh, he scheduled a meeting with me and he said, you know, I haven't even admitted to myself that I have a problem with pornography and here you are admitting it in front of the church. And, yeah. uh, and that began a process of healing for his wife and him. Like they had mm. such a horrific, um, uh, it was, it was a, it was a brutal time in their marriage. And, uh, that got his eyes to open. And so the, the healing and the hurting that I was able to speak about went into him and then he was able to bring it into his marriage. And, you know, and that is what we want to keep going, but instead, but that's difficult and that's terrifying. And that means we got to kill our pride a little bit. And so what we'd rather do is talk about how other people suck and how awesome we are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that just keeps the hurt going. Yeah. Yeah. And people just tune us out and they go, okay, oh, so this is the deal here. Best foot forward. Okay, I can do that. I know how to do that. You know. Hashtag blast. And, yeah, you know what? Hashtag blast. Exactly. And just, us all. just to let you know, just to let you know on our Catching Foxes page on Facebook, I have a quote that says, even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if nice. you simply try to tell the truth without caring two pence how often has been told before, you will, nine times out of ten, become original without ever having noticed it. The weight of glory. Hashtag blessed. So I have. Hashtag, <laughs> erase the hashtag button. Nope, nope. <laughs> it's on there forever. C.S. Lewis himself said it a little more smoothly than my packed up version. Nah, you're fine. He used the phrase two pence. I, I, love I, that's, I love that's on your page because I think it's just the just the greatest quote. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it's it's learning how you know how do we share our story in a way that is not just like so raw that people are like, oh my word, I don't even know what to do with you. And I think that it helps if we're a little bit past, you know, the the rawest point of it all yeah. that we go back. And I'm not saying we've got to have totally experienced healing because healing is a process, right? And I'm I'm such a believer in the importance of speaking out. And I think the enemy loves for us to hide, um, loves to whisper to us, yeah, you can talk about all sorts of things, but not that, not mm-hmm. that. You speak about that you will be misunderstood and it will be unbearable. Yeah. I think that's one of his really most um, subtle weapons. And I think it keeps so many of us in, in bondage and, and just not living fully at all. But at the same time, we've got to know, okay, when am I ready to talk about this in a way that I can share what it was so that the person can go, okay, I see what you're talking about. Oh, you really have suffered or you really do know about this without giving every detail so that the person is just, you know, distracted by, you know, the graphicness of it. So I think there's, there's an art to that. There's an art to sharing the story that can take a little time. What I try to do, because I mean, we do a lot of that on here. Mm -hmm. Gomer was, you know, um, he, um, he really opened up about his, the pornography use. I talked about how my dad was, um, he was abused by a priest mm. and, um, like, you know, we, like, we're pretty honest about like what's going on, yeah. like things we've had. And, you know, there have, and, and I think what I always, cause, cause like I really struggle with do like, should I tell people about my dad? I asked uh, my wife, I asked my sister cause he, um, he passed away back in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't want to like, you know, put this out there and have my mom go, what? But uh, one of the things I like when I asked her about it, she said, absolutely. Like people have to hear about that. And I think that's, that is a really good, if you know, you're honestly able to say people have to hear about this Mm -hmm. and you're at peace with that. Then I think that's like a good, like that's a good barometer to kind of see if it's now time to share this. 
And I think also, as you share, do you think that person is totally distracted with worry over how are you doing? You know, are you okay? If you can share it in such a way that they know, okay, you're okay, so I can receive this and apply it to my own life. I'm not so worried about you. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we can share so raw that everybody wants to run up with the Kleenex and go, let me pray for you, you know? And you're like, no, 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 I'm saying this for your benefit. And yeah. you're like, I don't think so. Well, and you know, and I think it's also the difference between, cause like, I think one of the things that like, so we're all like leaders in other church or right now. And I don't mean like, Hey, look at us. We're, we're great. I just mean like, we're all out like doing, doing yeah. stuff. We have to have a place where we're able to talk about what's going on right like right mm-hmm. now where we do have people who can pray with can pray with all of us in the moment you can't do that when you're on a stage speaking to a whole bunch of people or when you are mentoring another person it's it's yeah. it's all about them not about you in mm-hmm. that particular moment but there are times when I think we absolutely have to do that as well and that can be yeah. hard and I think that's part of the mess that Pope Francis talks about yeah Absolutely. And it's finding that person, finding that person who one is totally trustworthy, but two, who is clued in at the part that the enemy plays in all of this. Because um, I think that's so important that someone be able to speak into your life. Hold on now. You know what? That sounds to me like a lie. That doesn't sound at all like God's voice. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. how God would see this. And um, I just had that recently. I, it's so interesting how it happens. I went and spoke at a conference, which, of course, my mindset is I'm going to, you know, give out. And I ended up having just was so ministered to by someone on the prayer team who prayed for me just really deeply, really took me kind of by surprise, you know, where we ended up going. And um, and really, that was um, that was wonderful. And um, but she was really able to to help me that way, to just help me to kind of not to see things entirely through my lens, which was a little cloudy, but to say, no, how would God see this? And no, I don't think that that sounds to me like more the way the enemy seeks to trip you up with perfectionism, with whatever. And, you know, so you want someone that you're sharing with to be able to, to speak from that perspective when that's possible, you know, a little older, wiser, you know, not everybody is equally qualified to to hear our hearts, right? Not everybody Mm -hmm. is safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Well, we're That's coming great. up on an hour, and I, I actually have a hard stop here. Um, so I want to thank you so much yeah, uh, for coming awesome. on. Yeah, you, you can tell you're a leader's leader because it was like you just went right for it. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we always give the last uh, few minutes of the show to plug anything that, that you want to. Um, where can people find you? Where can they hear more about Walking With Purpose? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay, and I just have to say, I love you guys. How fun. This was such a fun night for me to just chat with you. I'm so nice. glad we had this, this time together. And so if anybody wants to hear more about Walking With Purpose, we're online, walkingwithpurpose.com. You can check us out. We're also on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook. But if you really want to get to know what the ministry is like, download some free lessons, see some videos, um, access our training. Our small group leader training is available to anyone, actually. I don't think people usually know that. What, oh, nice. what we do for the leaders in parishes who are overseeing bigger, you know, bigger programs, that's a whole other set of, um, you know, I don't know, difficulties, challenges. And so that, that is password protected because when you move into that leadership training, that's when you're given the mentor. And we're really partnering with you and yeah. our leadership development. But our small group leader training is available to whoever wants it. And so you just have to go um, under our leadership development tab in the nav bar and you can access all that. 
Um, the let the books are all available. The Bible study books are in the store, and anybody can can buy those. Do them at home. There are DVDs, and there's also um, online videos that you can just download and and watch from your computer. And um, those web addresses are within the study guides of the books. Um, so we're just we're just here to serve you all, and um, and really pray that um, if you are you're longing for something more, if you're wanting to connect with your girlfriends on a deeper way and, and go there, this is a great way to kickstart some really good, really juicy conversation. And if you're just on your own and you want to grow in your faith, but you want it to be in a way that really connects with your day-to-day life, I would encourage you to, to check out those Bible studies because just, you know, 10 minutes each day in the morning can really make a difference, give you a whole different perspective. That's so That's true. awesome. That's so true. So, uh, Lisa, before you go, should we name this episode hashtag blessed? Is that? Oh, please. Is that what we <laughs> oh, we must. We must. <laughs> <laughs>